Christmas came, Christmas went, and then another season landed of the Arc Digital How to Make a Video Game podcast. You'll recognize this voice. I am Matthew Galaxy Walker. Uh, that nickname stays. Um, to my left is another familiar voice. Hello, Thomas. Hello. Yeah, ni- nice, nice to be back. Is, is the new nickname year. thing is like, oh, Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, th- there's got to be a time period at which, you know, it's it's we're out of the period where it's mandatory to wish people new year and of course people might be listening to this podcast yeah like in fact they will be like weeks after new year so that's true belated happy new year belated happy new year to everybody but uh even so it's the first time back since uh the turn of a a new decade big decade this one's 2020 we're not going to get into like ghostbusters talk now but i'm excited by this season for one reason and one reason only um but thomas to your left again We've got a new, a new person um, on the panel, if you can say that. Um, hi, Jem. Hi. <laughs> it's me, Jem, uh, social and marketing and community manager for Oric Digital. Fairly new at the company and new to the podcast. Now, for those that can't see, banging red hair. Now, you, you're on the red mic with the red yeah, hair. Yeah. That is not an accident. Red's my vibe. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, Jem joined us. Uh, well, it seems like you've been here a long time in a positive way, as in you really joined the team and been an integral part of what we're doing. So you were dropped in at the deep end yeah. when we launched Mega Aquarium. Yeah, six weeks before launch. Yeah. It was fine. Dropped in the deep end, literally, figuratively. But the game's done really well, really positive response. Uh, really I learned great. loads about puffer fish and longhorn cowfish. So a huge positive for me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and what would you say of the marketing stuff you did on that was your favourite? What was the most interesting thing? Um, I got to go to two different aquariums, the National Marine Aquarium in Plymouth and Bristol Aquarium. We did a lot of filming and live streaming. And I did, yeah, got to live stream with a shark um, behind us. That was really cool. Lemon. A lemon shark? Yeah. Oh, man. oh no, I, I thought you meant the shark was called lemon, like they'd give yeah. it a no, name. No, it was, so it's a, no, it's a lemon shark called Citrus. Uh, that, is, that is a Brilliant. good name. He's really that is nice. He's like the oldest shark in captivity, I think, in England. And he's right. really nice. And they were cleaning the tanks, and he was coming up to them. They have a special stick to poke him with because he tries to get too close to them. He's friendly, but also he's a shark. So like, <laughs> get the poking stick, and that's someone's job just to poke the shark. Oh my god! Really <laughs> yeah, imagine that on your CV. What, what did you do in your last job? I was a shark poker. A shark poker. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Was was there a good career prospect? You could rise to be head of shark poking. <laughs> well, some, some aquariums have like whale sharks, so you'd need to work your way up to poking one of those because they're yeah. massive. Yeah, it's like a huge I, stick. I, I don't want to poke a whale shark. <laughs> oh, this is this is making me think of some images that came out probably inside a, inside twelve months. Is it, is it Big Blue, which is the biggest recorded shark on record? It is massive. Is it's it? a fifty-year-old me- uh, female. She was pregnant, so it's about as big as a great white shark could be. Huge! Ooh. Uh, look, look, look! This 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 shark up on online, and the pictures are absolutely stunning, utterly Aww. bonkers. She's utterly okay, bonkers. right? They didn't find her, but like, she's giant, and we've killed her. No, 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 okay, no! Uh, it was uh, an Australian. I think it was an Australian um, biologist, marine biologist, oh, that cool. took some amazing shots. And when you see the the comparative, the perspective between the human and the shark, you think, my god! Okay, that thing is huge. That sounds very cool. Yeah, look it up. Um, so here we are, season five, season five. Now, for me, especially, I get a chance to finally to have a good bash at some games over Christmas. Um, who wants to go first? Who's been playing what over Christmas? Uh, well, shall I jump in? Uh, so I've been I've been playing a few games over Christmas, but uh, I've been playing uh, Insane Robots. Never heard of it. Oh, it's... Um, Sorry. Yeah, by a company called Planiac. Now, I know... Uh, uh, 
Planiac people and they're really lovely people, but it's it's basically like like they've reduced a card game down, like a collectible card game, to its base elements, which is kind of hard to describe. It's basically you you control a robot and you battle against other robots, mm. and so it's like this this kind of boiled down card battling game. But it's really nicely done. The strategies in it's really clever. The gameplay loop works really nicely, uh, and the art is got very cute sort of robots. Really nice. Uh, but yeah, genuinely really really enjoyed that. So cool. that's been a game I've I've had a lot of fun with over Christmas. I've you, been playing um, Oberdin because I've had a lot of good things. And if you don't know anything about it, don't look it up. Just play it without knowing. It's really cool. Not so what I expected. And also a lot of Divinity 2. Um, me and my boyfriend both set up our computers next to each other and playing that. We did a 14-hour solid session one Saturday, and it was awesome. Haven't done that for a while. I, I don't know what those days feel like anymore. 9 a.m. till 11 p.m. Stopped for like 20 minutes of food <sighs> the whole way through. It's such a good game. Really fun. Really good co-op. Um I am Los, and I've got like this big red lizard, the Red Prince, who hangs out with me. And he's a dwarf, and he's got um, a skeleton called Fane, who's really sassy. It's really good. Do you remember those days, Thomas? Being able to play video games for like 10 plus hours uninterrupted? I know, yeah. Making us sound like fossils now. <laughs> no, you know. No, I, 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 not, not, I mean, I still get, I still get mine gaming time in. oh really <laughs> like I, I, I still work it in you know around around family and business and yeah. all the various other things but yeah no that sounds amazing so it's always fun. nice to justify it to yourself like if I'm not, I was like this is work it yeah. technically it's video games it's always work it's you know you're always kind of digging with something now I, I don't want to continue into a new season where we're beginning uh, things afresh and to sound that uh, the Foghorn from previous seasons of the, the XCOM Foghorn now if anyone who's listened to previous episodes whenever this comes up it comes up a lot in conversations, just the, the the title, the name XCOM, big XCOM fan. I wasn't until about I don't know a year and a half ago when XCOM Two came out, and the guys around the, the studio were telling me about it. Um, but I found myself downloading on Steam like four of the classic uh, uh, XCOM games, like the original Terror from the Deep, um, Apocalypse, I think was another one. They're, they're not easy to play now. Um, but I, I found myself getting a good hour or two into into each one of them, which was just sick. Like Boxing Day was amazing. Just getting some gaming time to those, amazing, absolutely amazing. See, you can go even further back, like Rebel Star Raiders. Oh, okay. Which is like the 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 pre XCOM XCOM game. Right, right. And you can, you know uh, you can go even further back. There's a board game called Snapshot. Uh, which, which rest, we've obviously before. covered. If, yeah, yeah if, you, if people scroll back to appointed history of turn-based strategy games, we do cover that in there. Good so plug. There you go. Good yeah, plug. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was it was a good little session. And but I, I find myself. Uh, I actually bought um, Phoenix Point at launch, which I haven't really touched yet. I'm looking forward to seeing how that differs from from so-called XCOM because um, they're so closely linked. Now. Yeah, we we've been looking at that because the marketing of that I thought was very effective. Mm, I've had a lot of good things. Mm. So yeah, it'd be, mm. be interesting to hear how you get on with that. So today, what are we talking about? We've got a new season, we've got a new face, a new voice, uh, new content, new stuff to bang on about, Thomas. Yes. So we, we've got, yeah, we've got a, quite a stocked uh, season of stuff coming up. Um, but should we, yeah, should we say a couple of things? Because you've alluded to them. Mm, sorry. In the discussion. I so couldn't help myself. Some of the things we're going to be covering <laughs> are... Ghostbusters, which is by you, yeah, and <laughs> Harry Potter by by Gem. Um, My favorite. Uh, we because I think the thing with the podcast it doesn't necessarily mean we are making a game related to that, but I think it's very you know when you work in video games, you're influenced and inspired by uh, other stuff. You know, there's a continuum. You never you don't work in a vacuum, 
So I think it's really interesting to be able to share a thing we are into. Mm. So, you know, if a series of games or a, or a game influences us, we get a lot out of it. We get a lot of joy out of it. It's always nice to share that. And I think the thing I feel with the podcast that where it goes really well is where it gives that kind of that window into the nerdery and the, the kind of like the, yeah. the real fandom of, you know, an area. And so that's something we want to share with you all. So we're always interested to hear your feedback Definitely. on what works, what doesn't. We're, we're not machines. It's always good, to, as Thomas says, to kind of tap into those those interests. Because also, like, everything we make, everything we create, you, we're all influenced by something. We all have that kind of spark for something. And whether you try it or not, it all kind of sometimes bleeds into what you do. If you play a lot of different type of games, you can get inspiration from all different genres that you might bring back to a genre that you're working in and you're building. If you've just played one type of game and then you're making that type of game, you're going to just be making the same things over and over again. Hmm. If you can get inspiration from a completely different genre. Yeah. I've seen some really cool stuff like that. True, true, true. Should we hit it? Yeah, well, yeah, let's let's go for it. So, um, yeah, this, this one, so this is a choice of mine of something I wanted to cover. Uh, is basically uh, a, a sort of uh, uh, a history, a what? What's the word? Because we call call them potted histories, which I'm sort of gonna still call this one. But <laughs> the the feedback was like, not everybody knows what the word potted is. It's quite a quite a British word. I only come word. across the word potted to mean like food, potted yeah, fish. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> yeah, or, or. maybe it probably says more about me than like vocabulary in general. But I was like, what is this? Everything saying? at yeah. the moment seems to go back to fish and marine life. Like, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so I I I thought, but but by that I mean it's like it's not an exhaustive thing. It's it's a more personal, summarized, you know, like because often when we cover a topic, if you were to do every single game related to that, you'd basically just be reading a list of games, which would be boring. Um, we actually, as you say, want that connection to what is what is the interesting games in that area we're looking at. So yeah, so we're going to look at games and democracy. Um, so I'm going to uh, jabber on about it. And, and if if uh, either of you want to sort of reflect or interrupt or offer commentary, then then feel free to at any point. Hi, and we've been joined by Peter, our creative producer. Hello, hello. Come to put his input in about Civ and uh -huh. all other democracy things. Sounds good. Well, Peter's also very well read on the philosophical underpinnings of democracy. Don't, oh. don't tell him that. Yeah, well, going inflate the I'm ego sorry for massively know. underselling you. Pete's played Civ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that. Good. I've been set up now to be like, right, have we got a question about Euripides? Uh, so, all right. Okay. It would be good if we could get some Euripides in now. Now you've said oh, it. Oh, no, let's not. Okay. <laughs> um, so what are we talking about today? Um, so we're talking about democracy in games and I see there's kind of two broad areas that I wanted to cover with this is games about democracy or games with democracy in. So, you know, where, where it's the subject they're covering and then there's the concept of democracy in gaming itself. So where does the culture of games connect with democracy and democratic ideals? Um, so, yeah, we'll start with the first. So start with defining democracy, which is from the Greek. Uh, which is literally means uh, rule by the people, mm -hmm. uh, and we we encounter two broad types of democracy that we we're, we're going to touch on. Um, I mean, it's much more complicated than this, but to simplify it down, there's direct and representative. Direct is where you get a say. So, you know, in deciding which one of your Steam games is going to be played, that's direct democracy. You pick it. That's the Athenian model. Yeah. That Socrates <laughs> there you go. See, bringing the culture. The, the other one is representative, where you elect a representative who acts on 
your behalf. So if we were to ask the audience of the podcast, which of my Steam games would you like me to play? And then they they voted on one and then I, I played that one. That would be representative democracy. So they don't get to play it. I get to play it on their behalf and tell them whether or not it was good. So which one which one is the kind of democracy that we have in like let's say the UK, the US? Like that's that's kind of representative yeah, democracy, yeah, right? Yeah. Direct democracy is much rarer because it's much more complicated. But the original Greek form was direct as in yeah. like if you were a citizen, which obviously was restricted to uh rich rich Greeks and not not slaves, not women, not uh, any foreigners in mm-hmm. there. But basically, yeah, they, you could just rock up. You could turn up and talk Senate about and, farming. Yeah, and, and, and Senate or whatever. No, it wasn't the Senate. That's the Roman version. Forums. You could rock up the other forums and basically do it. But of course, if you were not rich, then that was harder to do because so were you were the working. Rich men, they weren't supposed to be representative of the females and the slaves and everyone else. They no, were they just, just, they're just opinions didn't matter. Yeah, they just didn't get okay. a say. They so just the, didn't get a say. Yeah. Um, We'd again, but I'm simplifying it down because that's really the Athenian model. Like the Spartans, that a lot of people go, yeah, Greek. They they were not a democracy. They were a a, a sort of weird. They were a weird monarchy. They weren't straightforward monarchy. They had a bunch of other stuff in there. It was it was more complicated than a monarchy. Yeah, but it was, it was like a monarchy. That I had guess a king and sort sort of oligarchy, and that it was about yeah. the strongest. Yeah, but they, it's a weird sort of half socialism, half communism, yeah. half capitalism. It's very weird. They weren't really seen as. Um, and it, like, if you played, um, like, which I'm playing at the moment, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like right. they talk a lot about this in because there's a lot of Sparta versus uh, Athens and stuff like that. And the Athenians definitely saw the Spartans as not really engaging in what it was that Athenian democracy was. But so that was very much a. Uh, if we take out the fact that who they who the Athenians thought actually mattered, their form of democracy was kind of um, very sort of pure in that way. But it also didn't really work. Uh, in in a, in a lot of uh, senses, it was very slow, and it was also a much smaller scale, and that's why you know Athens kind of that's why the whole thing eventually would fall apart because not many people felt like they were being represented, like Sparta, like um, Corinth and stuff like that. So, how how well represented is that in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Re- is that like, worth playing? Bizarrely. Like really, really well represented. Like so, um, there's lots of warring factions stuff. There's um, there's a lot around. Um, there's a lot around. I mean, it does the, that classic thing that Assassin's Creed games all do, which I love, which is bring in characters that would never have met and do things that they never would have done. Like so, like Socrates is in it, and so is. Um, he's such a jerk. He's such Just a jerk. Just turns up and is smug. But that <laughs> is. Oh yeah, of course you've been playing. So, yeah. But that Socrates is is very much like the there's the philosophical Socrates that we know about. Like he wasn't well liked at all. Like we don't know anything about historical Socrates, but like philosophical one, he is always the guy who's like, ah, oh, but is it really like that? <laughs> they do a really good job of it. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, basically, if you want, rather than going and reading The Republic or anything by you know Homer or Euripides or anything, just just play Ubisoft's latest. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you need. I guess. Yeah. Um, um, Cool. Well, yeah. So, I mean, as a topic, that that that's a good one uh, for me. I, like I mentioned, like I got, I got into the idea of democracy by watching some stuff about the English Civil War. I was always fascinated because I was partly brought up in a village called Bovey Tracy, mm-hmm. which you know. Shout about. out, yeah. Uh, shout out to Bovey. Yeah, <laughs> but but Bovey Bovey is like um, 
it was a there, there were a few battles fought in and around it, well skirmishes as part of the English Civil War. Right. I thought you and meant them when you grew up there. No, like, yeah, oh, the locals. Yeah. 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 Not that old. Thanks. Yeah, the rough streets. Yeah, you know the ga- there was a gang called the Roundheads, another gang called the Cavaliers. I know there's sometimes disputes between like you know the local council and some of the residents. I thought it's what you meant, like the skirmishes, like at the post office, <laughs> yeah. people frowning at each yeah, other. Yeah. Okay, yeah. actual skirmishes, fine. It was, it was, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. No, no, it wasn't the, the mean streets above you, but. But that, like, my dad would tell me about, like, this Cromwell's Way, you know, the road there. And uh, my, my dad would say, like, oh, you know, yeah, this was, it's named after Oliver Cromwell, was reputed to have come down there. I'm not sure he actually did. But um, but that got me into, okay, what was this thing? What was this civil war? And I think that that got me really into the subject because at that point, the idea that as, an, as, a, as a non-noble, as, a, as an ordinary person, that I would get a say was so radical, such a weird idea. Um, but that that ultimately, you know, the war didn't start about that, the Civil War, although um, it's actually correctly called the, the the War of the Four Kingdoms because it's, it's actually a war that raged between Scotland, England, uh, Ireland into Wales in parts. It, it was a really complicated conflict with, with loads of factions within it. Um, but that got me interested in it and then from then i remember coming across you know more and more of it and that got sort of built the topic so when games so i there's a couple of games that touch on the english civil war so there's one called pike and shot which is a digital game which is i think a slytherine game uh which i played and it's quite good but it's it's basically the war all, all the interesting democratic things they're not in there you just stab people with pikes sure uh, and there's a there's a kind of uh, skirmish war game, as in miniatures game, called Pike and Shot also. But it spells shot the old-fashioned way, uh, <laughs> which is S-H-O-T-T-E, right. like Pike and Shotty. I don't know whether you should pronounce the T. Like an oldie-fashioned yeah. shoppy. Yeah, ye, yeah, ye oldie shoppy, Pike and Shotty. So ye, um, the Y in ye was actually pronounced T-H, so we write ye, but it still had been the old shop. Oh, really? right. I did not know that. Right. Boom. Oh, History yeah. degree. Paying for itself right now. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, uh, but yeah, which is, uh, I quite like the minis in that, but I've not actually played the game, but that looks cool fun. Um, but yeah, again, also doesn't touch on democracy. Again, mm-hmm. you're just shooting people with muskets in that. Um, but we we as a studio have actually done, I realised in writing the notes of this, we've actually done quite a few games that touch on this topic. Um, so under our Game the News project that we ran for a few years, we did a game when uh, Obama was running against Romney. Oh, it was yeah. this like debate game where you'd have to type in phrases they say, and depending on how well you typed it, the kind of the audience bar went between the two. Um, we also did a game. We worked with BBC News uh, Newsbeat, which is like a uh, the news channel on BBC Radio One, which for non uh, UK based people is the kind of like say fair say youth music. I mean, as an older guy now, I don't know if I can say that without sounding like the the meme of the guy with the skateboard <laughs> saying hello hello kids. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I don't know actually. Yeah, but but anyway, we we did a game called Ballot Bots with them. Yes. That that was more about representing um getting the their audience interested in the election which um which was the 2015 election which feels like a long mm. time ago mm. um uh, but it was really interesting to be involved in that and and you know how we did and then the other one is we we worked with Wonket making a game called Elections of US America Elections which was our card game about the 2016 US election but Mm -hmm. fortunately we included a bunch of characters that are not solely limited to that so actually it's still totally cool to play it now Mm. you can be George Washington or Cthulhu or or anything and I think in celebration of this podcast we will put that on sale so you can pick it up because it is very Mm. cool and I had a lot of fun making that Mm. 
Um, but there's a couple of other topic uh, games that I think worth touching on um, ar around this is uh, Positech Games make actually, I realised, two, uh, one that I really like and one I've not played. They make one called Political Animals. I don't know if anyone's played it. No. Um, but that's much more about the election campaign. Uh, and then they also make, more notably, I think, uh, a game called Democracy 3, which is basically... Have you, has anyone else played Yeah, I've played yeah, Democracy played, 3, yeah. yeah. They've got a fourth one coming now. They have, yes. Mm. I think they've announced that. So excited for that. Um, but what one of the things I think is really great about Democracy 3 is they opened it up on Steam Workshop so you can make scenarios for people to play through. That's I remember cool. after the Greek debt crisis hit, um, I was asked to give a talk about games and democracy. And I played that. Uh, somebody had made some deal like a kind of workshop version of the Greek debt crisis um, for the game and it was really really difficult to get anywhere in it yeah. and that's kind of the point like mm. if you're trying to solve a country's debt crisis it's really hard I think games for me then were really good at representing that issue it's like yeah. put yourself in the shoes of the person trying to balance that budget and the, the complexities and difficulties of the task. Mm. And it really did bring it home to you how hard that was. And I thought games are doing a great task here. Yeah, I think mechanically, so to explain quickly what how democracy works, it, it, it's it's kind of like a, a bar balancing exercise. You know, you're essentially putting numbers into, into pots and you want to keep certain people happy, certain demographics happy. And by doing that, you will uh, increase the chance of being re-elected. And, and that's, seems quite simple and it's quite a straightforward idea i guess and yeah i think it kind of it gets across this idea of like the raw numbers of democracy like when you have so many people who are who have their say mm. that you know keeping everybody happy is just never going to happen so it's about like i guess like backing the right horse at some point um yeah it's the kind of trade-offs that i think the trade-offs that in a in a democratic system yeah if everybody gets a say you're not going to please everybody mm. so it's the the trade-offs you do around what people get and don't and i think they're really well represented in that game uh, I, th I think it works really effectively, and we'll stick a we'll, I'll stick a link in the show notes mm. to the um, Greek debt crisis scenario, mm. which obviously then links back to the game itself, so people can have a bash at it. Uh, there's another game that I wanted to touch on while we're talking about democracy as a theme. Well, two more. Uh, uh, one, one briefly. Well, two briefly. One is Fate of the World. Did anyone play? Which is the climate change game? No, I don't know. Uh, by a studio with the name Red Redemption, which with Red Dead Redemption was not. <laughs> yeah. Was it was a confusing. But I, I really like the game. So it's kind of like a digital card game. Okay. And the idea is you're managing some kind of UN agency who's tasked with trying to combat climate change. And, and again, it's this risk reward, this balance of you can't keep everybody happy. So you're having to balance budgets. You're having to decide where resources go. You're trying to keep. What was interesting about it is it had this idea that. There was a load of countries in alliance to fight climate change. And as long as those countries felt they were getting value out of that, they would stay in that, however they define value. If you couldn't keep that coalition together, then bit by bit they would leave, which is a very similar system to XCOM, where all the countries contribute to XCOM. And if you don't, if you don't perform well, then they start dropping out mm -hmm. and then they're no longer in your coalition. So, yeah, it was really nicely done. And again, play, looking at it more recently, because I've played it a few times, um, it's really frightening to look at it now because it's like 10 years old and it's like, yeah, a game about climate change. Yeah, sure, sure, we'll, we'll get there and we have not made much progress. Um, then, then I was looking at other games like because it pops up on Steam when you're looking at these. Uh, there's a game called The Political Process that came out recently and that, again, like Democracy 3, it's very much about using power. What I was pleasantly surprised about is it's done really well. A lot of reviews, a lot of positive reviews. 
because you think this is super niche and it's like there's a tiny handful of people who care about this stuff, even though it impacts all of our lives so dramatically. Yeah. Um, even if you don't live in, say, the US, the decisions made in the US are going to impact you, like it or not. Yeah. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that the game not only looks interesting, looks well done in terms of its mechanic, but it's it's quite popular in that sense. But it's also a hyper-engaged audience, right? The political the political set of people, right? Like, mm. So it might be that there's, you know, there's a group of people who are way, way, way into politics and like it's the only thing that they'll tweet about, for example. It's the only thing they really want to discuss. And, you know, having that level of engagement with a specific subject, I think, leads you then into wanting to engage with it in like through art, whether or not that, you know, mm. that's a game or or reading about it in a newspaper or, or you know, um, you know any other way i mean that's why we did that one game with one cat right like we knew that they're all like they have hundreds and thousands of comments and stuff like that on every article that they yeah. do because this it's such a naturally polarizing and therefore debate sparking subject yeah i mean it engages people get exercise with it understandably you know power power is itself interesting power when you mm. get a say in it is more interesting because you've got some relation yeah. to it um which I think neatly brings us to probably the I would say the the biggest most popular game that covers democracy, which has got to be Civ. Mm. Um, Big fan. Yes, this yeah. is your moment, Peter. It's my moment to shine. <laughs> That's it. Well, I mean, here here would be the question: like, how? Like you, in theory, you can be a democracy in Civ. Yes, you can. And but is it only in theory? Like, no. how how far do you get if you're not willing to just? Attack. So have we all, have we all played Civ? Mm -hmm. you, yeah. Yes, just yes, yeah? yes. I can Would say you yes, want to give, no. give, give an example for people who haven't played Civ? Like, I've played it for a few years. <laughs> okay. Well, so you remember? Uh, I mean, different versions of Civ are um, they kind of change up the rules a little bit. But um, Civ Five, you played, or Civ Six, Four? Think four. Four. Mine's like one. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I mean, the the basic idea is always stayed the same. It is really a digital tabletop adaptation. Um, so the original Civ is actually based on Advanced Civilization, which was a, a very very complex board game. Um, and the idea essentially is that you are taking different factions, and you you choose a leader, and that leader has different. Uh, kinds of skills and buffs in different areas but the the main thing is it's a 4x it's exploit expand exterminate and some fourth x that i've completely forgotten about um and uh explore maybe it's that um and so you you build out you build out from your starting city with your faction. You might say, okay, well, I wanna, I wanna create some archers because I wanna go over here. And eventually I wanna create a new city. So I wanna make sure that nobody comes along and you know, mercs my, uh, my, my civilians while they're setting that city up. Um, and the way that you, the actual democracy is handled is kind of, I, I like to think of Civ as kind of a role-playing game in a lot of ways, because I think you play Civ there isn't like much in the way of mechanical um there isn't much in the way of like mechanical punishment for completely changing how you want to build your civilization out like you can go from being like an absolute you know um uh sort of tyr uh, tyranny that is very war focused and then convert that into a science focused democracy eventually and there isn't you know there isn't so much mechanical like now uh, sorry 
There isn't so much mechanical uh, impact for doing that. But I think when it comes to actually talking about the democratic side of what CIV is, it's really about how you engage with other nations. And a lot of that stuff, certainly in multiplayer, um, is much more outside of the mechanics of the game. It's much more like the old play-by-email, play-by-post kinds of games where you're actually having conversations with players outside of the mechanics of the game and saying, mm. well, look, I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to go and expand over in this, this direction. And because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, increase tensions over here. But if you could send me three of your um, special resources as, as you know, to sweeten the deal, that would be very nice. And that idea of democracy being about um, engaging with, you know, um, soft power, soft it. power. Yeah. Yes, how you how you get across what you really want to achieve using using political power mm. as in as in literally the power of your polis like of the people involved um that really is where i think a lot of that comes through because you also have in civ this idea that and i suppose this is the people power thing which even if you're not in a democracy might happen which is if the people are not happy with what you're doing eventually they eject you sure so in civ you can lose by an unhappy population where they've just got yeah so so you can be so you can never you can never lose fully the game but you can if your people are unhappy you will it will stop growth it will stop money it will it will yeah you will have a load of disadvantages and i think that that's all about keeping your population um uh, happy but you can also use democratic power to talk with other nations to um to to get what you want ultimately and 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 have that conversation around um you know what are what is your nation going to really push push towards is it science is it culture is it uh, tourism and those kinds of things um but mechanically yeah i don't think democracy itself is it, it's it's a part of the meta it's not part of the actual game itself yeah because and again it's that thing of like you you pick a character you know you're going to be mm. you know, gandhi, or gandhi or genghis, genghis khan, khan and, yeah. um and it, there's a really good uh, I went to uh, Games for Change back in 2013 and the keynote speaker there was Brenda Romero and she gave this really good talk about about basically how games engage with a lot of these themes it wasn't explicitly just about democracy it was about you know kind of history and, and broaden that as well um, but it was a really good talk and the bit on Civ uh, it's really powerful I won't repeat what she said we'll stick a link in the show notes I'd, I'd recommend the video mm. but again she talks about this point of like there's something slightly unsettling about your Gandhi but then you go and blow other countries up it's like is that all he gets reduced to is just a figurehead mm. just like almost like a meme in the game yeah uh, and she sort of you know debates those points around how it all works as a as a fan of the games but as somebody interested in the reality of it it's, it's a it's a great talk and a lot of people use those characters as role-playing so for example i often pick gandhi because that's that for me i i, I don't really ever want to go and attack people that, that to me is but if i ever get attacked let me tell you uh the french were 100 percent not happy after they so they came and skirmished right next to me and they were like oh we're gonna go and attack this city defended the city walls gandhi was like peace love all that good stuff but as soon as they attacked my city gandhi <laughs> was like we're bringing out the big guns and the french were like in the stone age and while i was like hanging out and i had like cell phones and all that sort of nonsense <laughs> i honestly gandhi is like beautiful to everyone until 
until until he's pushed. Don't don't mess with Gandhi. Pushed, don't basically. push Gandhi. Yeah, yeah sort of yeah, role play town. <laughs> That's got to be on a t-shirt. Don't push Gandhi. D- don't push Gandhi. <laughs> he's got nukes. Yeah. So I was going to touch as well briefly on the idea of the democracy within the games, as in within gaming culture, which potentially is a massive topic. So and in fact, I did. I, I was I was I was very honoured to be invited to TEDx Houses of Parliament, mm. and obviously what they call the British Parliament, the mother of all parliaments. Um, it, you know, and, and that was the topic I talked on. And um, so we'll put a link out to that. So I won't cover everything in that because you can watch the video of it. But, but I will summarize some of the interesting stuff that, that was covered in that. And I think this goes to the, the diff. I think gaming, all the stuff to do with the games you like, the games you enjoy, what you get, what you pay for, they do actually touch on themes of what democracy is about, which is so democracy is always about balancing um, rights and responsibilities. So, you know, if you're a citizen, you get a vote. Um, but what responsibilities come with that citizenship? Yeah, if any, sure. you know, it's inalienable. You know, under the American Constitution, these are the rights that are, are granted to you by birth, and they are inalienable. You know, you are just given them. Mm. Um, but of course, there's always debates: how do you exercise? And some of those rights can come into conflict with each other. And, and I think, I think there'll never be a situation where a democracy has worked it all out. It'll always have that messy edge, mm. um, which is what makes it interesting. But also, then, you know, majorities versus minorities whereby if you've got a strong majority and they're always pushing what they want above a minority, then is it a democracy for the minority if they never get anything they want? So, and I think democracies have to figure out ways to accommodate those those broad views. And, and you, you can see it as simple example in gaming where if a minority of players, um, uh, say, have special, you know, could could do with accessibility options in the game and it's not in there and it's like, well the majority don't want it so we'll spend our development resources not doing it yeah well is then you're excluding people and do they feel part of that yeah. and, and that's a very ham-fisted way of of showing how it works in a gaming context but but in doing the research in that i was fascinated by the, the kind of story of eve online and to me eve online is it's a fascinating game anyway and so much of the stuff that happens in there like, like you talk about with um, Civ where it's meta it's like the players bringing it to the game oh, rather yeah. than the game mechanics yeah. explicitly allowing it yeah. um, but they, they had a thing where you know they've had a series of protests within the game years ago where you know the people running the game were making choices that those within the game were not happy about and I think this is where it's slightly different in that if there's a game and you don't you don't particularly like what it's covering or don't like what it's about, well, don't buy it. Somebody say, you yeah, know, it's fine, and that is a choice, and that's absolutely a choice. I think games should be the creation of the the creators who wanted to go it, and they should, you know, this is what we're offering. If you like it, get it. If you don't, don't. Mm. It's slightly different, not completely, slightly different when you're in an MMO or something like that, because actually you contribute a lot more than just your money. You know, you've put time and energy and you've built maybe a clan or a faction. You might have accumulated a lot of resource in that game. And so if the people running that game start to make decisions, and they can be anything from technical decisions about not maintaining the servers well to mechanic decisions within the game that maybe, you know, stop something you were doing that you put a lot of time and energy and stopped your faction doing a thing that you've spent time working towards. And so they had a series of protests in EVE where the players of EVE were protesting not against the creators of the game against the company running the game and unhappy and and this 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 cumulative protest ends up in the creation of a thing called the, the i think it's called the, the council of stellar management which is where the community votes people to sit on a forum that interacts with the company to represent the player's point of view nice. and i think that's a really I, th- I think it's a really positive democratic thing where the players then so it's going back to our original it's representative democracy it's not like you know tweet at us what you want well it's just 
you know, it's a chaos of stuff there. Yeah. But in actual fact, by by voting those people into that office, you know they've got some degree of of community support, some degree of of value within the community. It's not just that you're not just selecting somebody at random. And then if they're doing their job right, they talk to the community of what the issues we're facing. And then they talk to the company. And then between those dialogues, that's the democratic process. They won't get everything they want because maybe some of the features they want are too expensive to implement or just can't be done with the tech. But also they should get some of what they want because obviously the company wants to keep the players happy because the players want to be paying for it. What did the... um players do to protest was it an in-game protest yeah they did in-game protests so there's some fantastic videos which in the link on there i think i've got the videos in there where they um they did one where they all turned there's like central hub in the game which is like this you know sort of invulnerable spaceship and thousands of players turn up in their cruisers and start attacking the administrative hub of the game. <laughs> well, a similar thing happened in Ultima Online. Um, so Ultima Online was one of the really <laughs> early, yeah, amazing. one of the earlier MMOs, and and this was more about they had a lot of had a lot of issues with servers and and stuff like that. But it was actually quite a complicated MMO for the day. Like you, oh, yeah. you had property and it had an economy, and it, it you know it was groundbreaking as a as a as a game. But it also had the character of Lord British, who is the the avatar of the game's creator. What's Richard name? Garriott. Richard Garriott, that's right, yeah. And um, he he had a castle in the game. And, you know, and he was obviously, he had his own character in the game, which was reputedly unkillable. But yeah, there was a political assassination of him. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was giving a talk and there was lots of people watching it. And it's somebody, a celebration, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and some guy like pickpocketed a fireball spell from somebody else and then burnt Lord British to a crisp. <laughs> I think what had happened I think from the research seemed like there was some flag every time he went in, he had to tick a flag to say, yeah. I'm invulnerable because he wrote the game. So he forgot to tick it one day. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he got burnt in there. But there's also the degree of political assassination. Like, like you know, there was there was leadership in the game, and it was very visible. Yeah. And some people were unhappy with with how it worked. And you know, all this idea that you know is that fair that one person in the game is invulnerable and and all powerful, and everybody else. You say, well, yeah, but he wouldn't do anything with it. Well, how do you know? That, mm. That's the whole point. How do how do you know how somebody's going to wield power? You know, does power corrupt? And so. Uh, he got killed, so we, I, I guess. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it is a fascinating story. Yeah. Where does um, paradox fit into all of this? In terms As of a, in terms of like the company or paradoxes. Well, uh, so, well, I'm thinking specifically of Stellaris, which I've played a bit of. Mm-hmm. I mean, surely everything you've mentioned up to this point, yeah, bleeds right into that. Yeah, it's a forex. So again, it, it it it's in Sib's kind of wheelhouse, yeah. different game, but kind of similar ideas. But yeah, you're completely right. It's right. about how how does a how does a, a you know an alien nation? How does it wield the power that it has, and how like what kind of philosophical approach is it going to take to how it's going to build its society? Uh, you know across across the stars, hmm. and yet a lot. And I would also say that you know games like um, you know games like Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis, they are all also games about how people wield power. And how how that power is spread across different nations. As well. But where where I think they're missing the some a lot of those games have some kind like we talked about with Civ some kind of mechanic that gives the happiness or unhappiness of the population. Yeah. But what they don't have is that direct that that link between the use of power, especially the most extreme form of power, which would mm. be the ability to wage war, mm. the ability to meet out violence, and 
some kind of democratic connection to it. So, yeah. I, you know, it's like, it's the difference between if you kill somebody and you're a soldier, you, you might be a hero. If you kill somebody just out on the street, you're a murderer. Mm. You know, you've still killed somebody. But in theory, the idea is that if as a nation, the state has decided to go to war, then that might, you know, some moral thing. You know, we see the Second World War as that, you know, ultimate example of a of a moral war where we went to war to stop a tyrannical thing. Mm -hmm. Where it's more interesting if you look at previous wars, going back to that, say, the First World War. If you look at all the propaganda around the First World War and what people wrote about it, it was seen as a very moral war. Whereas through the lens of history now, over 100 years later, I think we see it as a much more complicated mm. thing. And, and sure, there were moralities going on in there. Yeah. But, but ultimately, I, I think it's notable that the conscientious objectors, the people who refuse to fight, are now not seen as some terrible cowards, are actually seen in, in a much more rounded light. But other things like the campaigns to get those soldiers who, uh, you know, obviously we now know suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder and then were couldn't fight anymore, but were shot because they were cowards refusing to fight. And I think getting their records expunged has been a big, mm. you know, and, and I think very worthy campaign. I'd say again, my interest in it goes my great-grandfather who knew very well was was a soldier in the first world war but that was that idea that when a democracy goes to war it does so with the consent of its people or does it always and again you can go back through history and find wars where they're very unpopular wars they're war and, and again especially if you're having to conscript people to fight in that war mm. that's very different from if um you know whether or not you feel it's worth doing if you're called up to fight a war you don't feel is a real war mm. so I, I think it'd be interesting to see more games that had that in it where sure you've got tanks and soldiers and all that but what if they all don't want to fight mm. what if you order a unit to attack and they choose not to they rebel they revolt they even join the other side i mean you saw this in the the spanish-american war where certain units would defect to the uh, sorry, the Mexican-American War would defect to the other side because they were unhappy about what's going on. You know, a lot of the revolutionary wars, you see a lot of that stuff. So I, so I think I, I think it would be interesting to make a game where you can delve into those mechanics more, where the use of violence was not just at the whim of you as the player of, like, yeah, just kill them. Mm. You know, mm. maybe in a, a Gandhi in a another game where you say, fine, let's nuke this city. If he would lot, refuse. It feels a lot... With with all these games that we've talked about, that there's the the sort of the limit to how democracy is represented, by and large, is very much the onus is very much placed on the player to engage with it, as in through a a, a mental act of is this right or am I do is what I am doing correct? There aren't it feels like there aren't that many games that directly take their mechanics and use those to explore what democracy actually is beyond, uh, uh, you know, the, the very, um, I would say, kind of, not straightforward, but, like, beyond war. There, there aren't that many games, for example, that are about, like, running a town and how you get people in the town to get behind your decisions, right? So, yeah. like, so like you know, one of, one of the downfalls, I would say, of a game like City Skylines, which I, I love, I think is a really good game, but you can do whatever you want. Like, yeah. I've spent the last three years, in-game years, of uh, City Skylines flattening an area of land and basically leaving people to just give me money and not me providing any services, mostly because I'd like a really flat area of land to build lots and lots of buildings on. But I've spent three years doing that, and I'm fairly sure I'd be out on my, on my ear if I was the mayor, <laughs> yeah. right? But there isn't, 
it doesn't really engage with how do you keep your people happy? How do those people have a say? How do you, as the leader of that democracy, um, enact the things that those, those um, you know, your citizens in the game, how they feel? And it, there aren't many games that kind of engage with that. I, I, I totally echo your call to add uh, the planning permission into City Skyline. If where I'd pay a ton yeah, for that. You, you want to you build DLC. a building, you've got to apply for planning permission you got to you got to turn up to the local council decision making <laughs> thing where they they whether or not they give you planning permission and I would <laughs> I would absolutely love that. I mean, you know, in in a in a simulation that that has, you know, entire systems built around um, figuring out the intricacies of how a traffic system works, which is a very dry subject. The, they're interested enough it, to do that to figure out. Oh, this is a merge lane, whereas this is a you know, dual lane. Like they're interested enough in that, but not interested enough in like. But what are the actual people? Yeah, no, doing? I, I, no, I completely agree. I think it would be it would be interesting because democracy is often played out in the smallest of all arenas. You know, we talked a lot about these big things, but actually, if you, most people's engagement in democracy is a, if if you if you live in a democracy is a very basic level. So planning permission is a right. great example of that. Right. It's like you think, well, it's my land, I can build what I want on it. Yeah, but what if you build a massive tower that then overlooks next doors? Yeah. Do they not get a say in that? What if their garden's entirely in shade because you bought an enormous tree house? Um, so in actual fact, it isn't as straightforward as saying it's my land, I'll do what I want in it. And that's when you get these rules. Well, what are the rules going to be? Who mm. decides on the rules? If you don't get a say in those rules through the election right. of your... Of, of government and local council and everything like that, then suddenly you feel they're imposed on you. And if they're imposed on you, you get unhappy. And then you get the English Civil War all over because they <laughs> wouldn't give you planning permission. Because you built a tower yeah. in your back garden. Well, because my neighbour yeah. built a massive tower in their back garden. <laughs> so I, I think igniting a nationwide civil war was a reasonable response Depends to that. Depends what the tower is. If it's some sort of attack tower, you'd be a fool to then try and go to war when you That's don't have true. a tower. So the, the downside was it's the tower from uh, the the Augustus Delath novel Lurker at the Threshold, which summons creatures from an interdimensional space. And, and but they didn't put that in the planning application, did they? They no, just said it. No. They just said it was a religious tower. They didn't say it was going to be summoning creatures from another dimension on, on that, that super that super tangential odd endpoint. Yeah, but but we do. Yeah, we we you can get elections. Yes, you can, and we'll put it on sale. Um, it's on our physical store. There's the main game and an expansion as well. We'll include them separately and as a combined special offer, so you can choose. Mm. It's your choice here in the Oroch Democracy. You mm. can choose which you want to buy. Mm, mind blown, guys! Uh, every time. Thank you. Thanks very much for coming in and talking about more than Civ. Pete, sorry for just being like. Thank you so that's much. That's your full wheelhouse. Just. Saying. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Has this become a recent thing where that's the only thing Peter's been talking that's the about? The only thing I'm into. Yeah. I, I feel your pain, man. Ghostbusters and XCOM. That's that's what winds me up, and yeah. I can't stop. Yeah. It's it's a real. It's a it's a pain. It's my brain now. It's, <laughs> it's a good brand to have. Yeah. Thanks for your time, guys. It's been amazing. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting us on again. It's okay. Now, I don't know about you, Jem. But um, like with most episodes, especially when when Thomas is when we find that little the little uh, valve on yeah. on on the back of his head, we just kind of crank it a little bit, wind it up, and away he goes. When that valve finally stops spinning, like 
so too does the steam stop releasing itself from my ears <laughs> of my head having been blown so much by knowledge and by facts yeah you don't always, I don't always appreciate like how much knowledge these guys have in depth about yeah. these sorts of subjects and I'm working them day to day like oh this spreadsheet have you seen it and they're like all this information about the Greeks <laughs> and democracy and the history of all these things and I'm like whoa I know it's, it's mad I mean Thomas is an absolute encyclopedia of, of most things I wish um, I could casually drop one of my TED talks into like <laughs> if I had ever done a TED talk Every conversation would start and end with, by the way, I've done a TED talk, yeah, just so you know. I, I would love that. Like, imagine you just casually in a coffee shop with, like, some old friend. You're like, yeah, this time I did a TED talk in, you know, You might uh, recognise me from my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Madness. Um, but, so, we, we've got a sale on. We're yes. going to hit a sale. Um, um, tell us a bit about that. So, we've got our own game, um, Elections, the car game, Elections. So, if you want to, you know, play some democracy and... Uh, do that with uh, with your friends. You can get it. We'll have it on sale. There's the main game and the expansion. You can get them together separately. But yeah, we'll have that on sale for you guys. Um, Everyone loves out. an expansion. Yeah, always. Always. Can never have enough. <laughs> um, yeah, so head into our site, physical store. You can find it on there. So that's orocdigital.com. Uh, pretty much everything's going to be contained within that site. But of mm -hmm. course, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of it too. Yep. Reach out to us on social, reach out to us on email, um, Discord as well, join our Discord, always love to chat to people in there. Um, yeah, let us know what you think, um, what sort of stuff would you want us to cover in the podcast, let us know how it was for you, review it, be really useful. Um, how are feeling after being introduced in this new season? Yeah, feeling good about it, hope it's okay. If yeah. you're going to review, please say something nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, and any... Any comment is a good comment in my mind. I'd like to know what people think about anything that I do. Mostly bad stuff. If anyone's <laughs> going to get a bad review, Gem, don't worry. It's going to be me and my Galaxy Vocals. In fact, no one's told me yet to drop the nickname. So oh, until, until someone says so, I'm sorry. I have but to call my stick. own nickname as well. Although I don't think we'll meet any other Jemimas. So probably not. That's you will true. have a nickname by the end of this season. Hooray. Yeah, I remember just before Christmas, I kindly sent around a bunch of emails to uh, some key players. Um, and a little screenshot of their character oh, that, I I've, my character. <laughs> that I've designed awesome. in my current playthrough of XCOM 2, <laughs> War of the Chosen. I liked yours. The, the armor, the yeah, gun, the, the, the hair. I mean, the hair, funnily enough, was the only thing I couldn't get Not quite right. It wasn't bright enough. It was more of a more of a sort of maroonish, burgundy sort of colour. <laughs> I, I like those colours, but it wasn't like blood yeah, red. Yeah, the power. Blood. Thanks, Jem. You've been amazing. No and we will you. see you and everybody else in the next episodes to follow. Cool. Bye.